Welcome back to the Running With It podcast. Before we get going with this episode, Dan and I wanted to ask you a quick favor. We are on Apple Podcasts, and as I'm sure you know, Apple Podcasts offers you the opportunity to rate and review any podcast that you listen to. Ratings and reviews are really what helps a podcast get heard, and they're what will help our podcast grow within the podcast community on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. If you enjoy what you listen to with the Running With It podcast, we would really appreciate you giving us a very quick review. If for whatever reason, Apple Podcasts isn't your thing, but you would like to have some input on the podcast going forward we welcome you to contact us on instagram through our handle at the running with it podcast or alternatively please contact us on email which is the running with it podcast at gmail.com thank you so much for your input thank you so much for listening and let's get on with the next episode (laughs) obviously you can go to pete not really sure why here's penchant for robotics i wasn't gonna say that but shove your oats in because obviously you need your oats for your energy like it Love it, hate it. Bit sort of harsh and... Here he comes, through the sliding doors. Controversy over that one, of course. Big, gooey texture. I think that's a really tricky question, actually. It would give you a very nice cake. Today, Dan and I are going to talk about coaching. To be honest, at the time, I find it very uncomfortable. What's the best introduction to maca powder, in your opinion? Highly energy ball-centric. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Running With It podcast. This is episode six Big week for the podcast last week. We went live. We sort of announced it to our to our social media, made a little Instagram account. Yeah, the feedback's been really good and keen to sort of keep the momentum going and keep pushing forward this next episode. As some of our listeners will appreciate, football has come back this week, which has been huge. I've really enjoyed tuning in yeah. to watch those games and particularly following Arsenal along Another path to defeat, really. You know, two games in, two losses. We had a shocking loss to Brighton yesterday. And on that theme, the thing I couldn't have lived without this week is Peter Crouch. Now, don't tell me you've been watching Peter Crouch's Save Our Summer thing. No, I haven't been watching that. No, what is that? Thank the Lord for that. Uh, It's an absolutely terrible programme on TV that he is presenting. Chat show which is absolutely awful. So I'm glad you're not watching that and sort of using that to influence your decision to go with Peter Crouch. I'm intrigued by this show. So it, I've, I've never heard of it before. So it's Peter Crouch getting people on his show and chatting to them, is it? Is that the premise? Yeah, well, it's, it's sort of influenced by the, the coronavirus pandemic and he's really trying to save our summer, so to speak. But I mean, it doesn't live up to the podcast, which I'm guessing is the, um, the thing that has influenced you to put him as your thing you couldn't live with that this week. 100% Dan, 100%. Yeah. So anybody who listens to the Peter Crouch podcast will know that it is arguably one of the most successful podcasts, at least within the UK. You know, it, it is consistently towards the top of the charts in the UK mm-hmm. in terms of listenership and reviews and the like. And they this week came back with the first episode of season two of this working from home thing that they have going on and Louis Theroux was on the podcast I'm interested in big him I know, I know you are Dan as well I know you have uh, yeah all, yeah big fan big yeah fun. enjoyed his documentaries in the past so yeah really I wanted to give a moment of appreciation to Peter Crouch and say I've enjoyed the podcast this week he's done a lot of football punditry which links into what I was saying about the football and also I think he's just a really decent lad who's made me laugh this week unfortunately not on his program is uh quest to save the summer i haven't tuned into that but just generally you know his penchant for robotics and generally just his all-round good guy demeanor is something that i've really enjoyed this week hats off to peter scratch and what i would say about peter is when he was playing football 
I would never have put him down in this role. I would never have said, look, Peter's going to be a great pundit or presenter in the future. But look where he is now. So he's, he's really a bit of a turnout for the books in that respect. He was saying on the podcast this week, Dan, that Peter as a name is not very popular nowadays. What do you think? What are your thoughts on the name Peter? Like it? Love it? Hate it? I definitely don't love it. I wouldn't say I hate it either, but it's not a name I go for because it's a difficult one to shorten. Obviously, you can go to Pete. Pete, I'm imagining like a 50-year-old bloke there, so it's difficult to sort of call your two, three-year-old Pete. And, and Peter, it, on its own, a bit long, first of all, but it's a bit sort of harsh and not so keen. But yeah, if there are any Peters listening, then I, I apologise. Yeah, please stick with us, Peter. I'm sure there's not <laughs> <laughs> sure there's not many of you, but if there are, yeah, Pete, stick with us, please. Yeah. Well, I heard, I heard Crouchy's listening in, so uh, <laughs> yeah, apologies. Pete. Yeah. And if, if people would like to get us up there with Peter Crouch, and I'm not saying that our podcast is anywhere near his just yet, but if you would like to see us on the iTunes chart, please do head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a review, give us a rating. We would really appreciate it. Anyway, that's enough of a shrine to Peter Crouch. Dan, what could you have not lived without this week? Yeah, okay. So yeah, obviously lovely suggestion there with Peter Crouch, Luke. But I'm going to sort of take it back to last week. You, you gave Parsley as an example. Controversy over that one, of course. But I'm going to take, take it back to the sort of food roots. And I'm going to go for an ingredient that I've been really taking to this week that I'm sure many fans and followers were probably never even heard of. But I'm going to say it anyway. And that is maca powder. Ooh. Now, it's a bit of a... Um, a superfood icon out there. Not really sure why. It's not particularly great for you, I don't think. But uh, it's like a powder. It tastes kind of, um, I, I guess it tastes kind of like caramelly, but without the sort of sweetness. And I've been whacking tons of this in my, obviously my smoothie bowls that I talked about previously. Any sort of baking I'm doing, like it's going in, in in abundance. And I think what's been really marked is the sort of increase in usage throughout the week like i was starting off at a teaspoon but now we're up to sort of two tablespoons ago Mm. so it's sort of exponential the increase and i'm wondering when is it going to stop i have never heard of maca powder so you're putting it in cakes and in your smoothie bowls right not so much cakes but yeah i guess you could use it in a cake perfectly well it would give you a very nice cake but i've not personally been using it in cakes As we'll get onto in the recipe of the week, I've been using it in certain recipes, yes. If somebody is wanting to get into maca powder, you know, this might be like me. Somebody might be listening to this and thinking, I've never heard of maca powder before. What's the best introduction to maca powder in your opinion? How did you get into maca powder? I think the best introduction to maca powder, if you are like me and you are keen on your your sort of porridge and cereal-based items of food, then I'd say just a little sprinkling, not too much. Start off at about a teaspoon, as I mentioned previously, and just sprinkle a bit of that bad boy into your porridge or your overnight oats or whatever it is you like to eat. And it will give it this really nice caramelly flavor. You said, Dan, about maca powder there, something that people could look to use in their food. Have you got a recipe suggestion for this week? So in the past, we've had sweet potato and tahini. And then, of course, we had the iconic smoothie bowl. What is Mm. the recipe of this episode? I And it does include maca powder. I'm going to warn the listeners straight up right now. This week, I've been focusing on... Like like energy for for going on a ride or going for a run. So I've been making energy balls. Now you would have seen these in the shops at two pound a piece, but you can make them yourself. We're going to stick some dates 
bit of boiling water on top of them, just a couple of tablespoons of boiling water, just to soften them up nicely. We're going to stick a few raisins in and we're going to blend that up. And you want like a nice coarse uh, but gooey mixture. You're going to take that out of the blender, stick it in a bowl, shove your oats in because obviously you need your oats for your energy. We're going to dress it up with the flavorings if you like to see. Now, I like, I'm a big fan of peanut butter. Obviously, you're not, Luke. You're allergic mm. to nuts. Mm. But I'm going to shove a tablespoon of peanut butter in there because I love that nutty taste. And as I mentioned, we're going to stick a, a tablespoon or a couple of tablespoons of maca powder in there too. Now, you're just going to wind that up, mix it with a spoon, bring it all together, and it's going to form a nice sort of thick, gooey texture. Now, what I want you to do is roll those bad boys into balls, stick them in the fridge, let them set, and you've got yourself your own energy balls in five minutes. What are you saying to that? I'm saying that is absolutely fantastic, Dan. What a sensational recipe. <laughs> and also, shout out to your unbelievable storytelling there. That is up there with Gordon Ramsay, Jamie Oliver, in the way you brought that narrative together. I'll tell you what, I'll put the full recipe in the show notes because I was a bit blasé about it there. You know, a few raisins, a few dates. I'll, I'll give you the proper stuff, the details in the show notes and on the Instagram. Quality. I think that's the, that's the content that people want, really, isn't it? You know, they've come to this podcast yeah. thinking, I'm going to listen to something related to sport and psychology. And actually, it's all about cooking and dates and energy balls. You know, that's, <laughs> what, that's what you want, isn't it? Getting into what you all came here for, then, this is episode six. And today, Dan and I are going to talk about coaching. We're going to talk about different approaches to coaching, the psychological components of being a good coach. And we're also going to hopefully use some of our own experiences and examples to sprinkle in a little bit of personal discussion within this discussion of what makes a good coach. So Dan, first of all, thinking about actually what coaching is and who coaches Mm. are. So coaches are, as everybody listening to this will know, they are somebody who's going to help you enhance a skill or enhance your level of competitive performance through a combination of kind of skills training. So they could be somebody who is good at demonstrating a skill, but they're also going to be somebody Mm. who's good at teaching that skill, who understands the processes of education and personal development. And hopefully, really, if they are an excellent coach, they're going to be somebody who has good mentoring skills as well, right? They're going to be somebody who helps you develop a sense of who you are in your discipline and your trajectory in your discipline as well. As a a good coach, you've got to adhere to the same rules that you expect of your, your athletes or your team. If you want to have respect from your team, you also have to show respect to them. Respect that goes both ways, you know, quite often, or at least when you think about traditional coaches and maybe the way that people thought first thought about coaching was this kind of I'm here, you're here, instructor type coaching. You know, if you think about the traditional kind of army major, I guess, you know, the person screaming at the people that they're trying to train, not really having that level of respect. I say jump, you say how high type coaching. Yeah, I would imagine being in the Navy, you have to be in that type of coaching environment sometimes, you know, where people say jump and you say how high. What's your experience of being in that kind of coaching environment? Uh, I think often I have I have experienced that. Yes, definitely. And often it's effective in that setting because uh, you're perhaps going through officer training and you know that that's and you know you have to play the game and and just work with it. However, they weren't necessarily the people that you looked up to and, and wanted to work for in the same way. You were, it was more a case of motivation through, um, through the carrot and sticks analogy. So having a, a reward that's great enough or punishment that is also great enough. So that, that does work 
people are if people are scared or they really want to change because there's such a, a high reward, then it will work. But it's it's unsustainable as, as a coaching style, in my opinion. And you're right. And I'm sure this is something that people have an opinion on when listening to this, that often I'm sure we all have that coach or that teacher or that person who is meant to be helping us develop a skill and that they've gone by that carrot and stick approach you know that I'm here you're Mm. here and if you don't do this there's a punishment or if you do do this there's a reward and you're right that I'm sure lots of people will think well that did run its course you know very quickly the coach becomes out of options the best coaches that I've had certainly in the um in the military setting have always been and they're not necessarily coaches per se but people that I've worked for or with are the people who you really want to who make you want to be like them when you are older or when you get to their level. Yeah, and how do you think they do that then? Uh, I think they do that by by not enforcing their will upon you and just being a good person. I think what you're saying there then relates to having a more communicative and collaborative approach to coaching, which I think people now understand in comparison to that more traditional approach is actually the way to go with coaching that if you put the person that you're trying to coach at the forefront and you help them to arrive at their own decisions for what they want to get out of their coaching and you facilitate their development rather than instruct their development yeah that is a a better approach for coaches yeah absolutely I think I think the times have changed ultimately and a, a key trait of a good coach these days is perhaps to be to be sensitive and to be a really good listener as well as a good educator and good communicator. So you and you have to as a coach be able to identify all the different differences between your athletes and you'll be sensitive to those differences and listen to all the concerns of your athletes. Definitely. And I think that's something that you really do see in the top coaches. When I think about coaches, I think about football. You know, we started off this episode with me saying that Peter Crouch is the thing that has really meant a lot to me this week. And when I think of when I think of Jurgen Klopp, for example, and an elite level football manager, his players often say that he really works hard to develop a unique relationship with all of them or you know I'm sure we've Mm. all seen those videos that went viral on social media of the teachers who stand outside the classroom and they have that different handshake with all of their students you know and whatever you think about that the principle is that they're creating that unique relationship right and they're listening and kind of reshaping their coaching to each individual person comparing the traditional approach to coaching as we've outlined it that kind of carrot and stick reward punishment I'm here you're here in coaches and and thinking about a discipline that's close to your heart Dan thinking about about cycling and uh, I was I was thinking about examples of coaches who maybe show that kind of traditional approach yes yeah. yeah, so I, I was thinking about Dave Brailsford as a cycling coach and how he seems to be and maybe Dan you can correct me if I'm wrong here but he seems to have that kind of traditional approach to coaching so he seems to really go for that I say jump you say how high that kind of strict teacher approach almost where it's based on I want you to do this and you have to do it as effectively and as quickly as possible and it seems to me that he is quite strict with his riders and in terms of getting a maximum level of performance out of them you know rather than that kind of soft skill approach he's very much hard line it seems to me and tends to be strong with his rewards but also strong with his punishment and trying to elicit behavioral change that way would you agree with that to an extent yes it gives the impression of like the teacher that you were you were scared of at school that's the kind of um impression you get off him when he talks in interviews about the team um 
And you're right, he does really believe that behavioral changes only occur when reward is big enough or if the suffering is great enough. But at the same time, he does give ownership. He's, he does give ownership. He sort of tries to give the impression of, of uh, athlete autonomy. But you're right, he does have that fairly traditional approach of carrot and stick. But he's, he's done it with a hell of a load of success. Um, obviously, British Cycling, sort of director of, of performance, leading them into the, the Beijing and, and London games. A hell of a load of success there. And then obviously with Team Sky and Team Ineos winning a multi- multitude of, of Tour de France and other races. But mm. within cycling, there's another there's another another guy called Matt White. He's sports director at, um, at Mitchelton Scott, an Australian team. Perhaps a less well-known name, yes. But another guy who's had a, a fair chunk of success with loads of Tour de France stage wins, you know, Vuelta, España, overall win so a less well-known name but a load of success as well but his approach is much more to work with the riders not above them and he says that himself and you look at the team and it's all about creating that atmosphere of fun and enjoyment and and teamwork and you know they have this saying within the team of uh one for all all for one where you know they're really in it all together and, and working together as a team with with fun and enjoyment at the heart of that but it's just interesting to have those two examples from within the same sport who have quite different approaches, I'd say, but they both have their fair share of success. So both can work, but they're very different approaches. So there is often this discussion within the sort of coaching sphere of whether a good coach will have had to have been an elite level athlete at that sport in the past. Now, I've got my own thoughts about this, but Luke, I'm really interested to hear from your perspective, if you think that's the case, does, doesn't a, a good coach have to have been a really good athlete themselves or, or be a really good athlete themselves to reach that high level in coaching? I think that's a really tricky question, actually. And I think to a degree, yes, they do have to have been, in my opinion, been an elite level athlete or an elite level player in order to be a coach. And I think in part that is because actually of the doors into these industries often are dependent on who you know and your background. And obviously by being an elite level athlete, you already have those connections, that network, you're well-known, you're well-respected. And so it's a kind of natural progression. But but I also think it's not the be all and end all. You know, if you take the kind of gates into coaching out of the window and you just think in terms of what skills are necessary, I think you Mm. can be incredibly knowledgeable, incredibly passionate without necessarily having the experience to match it. That is really, to use a football example, illustrated in the Jose Mourinho versus Pep Guardiola example. So for anybody whose those names don't mean much to them, Jose Mourinho, obviously an incredibly successful football manager, but as a player, he was he was nothing really. He had very limited spells in the Portuguese second division, but generally speaking, yeah. didn't do much as a player. But then, of course, his managerial CV and his managerial accolades speak for themselves. Whereas Pep Guardiola was an excellent player by all regards. You know, he was a defensive midfielder for Barcelona and then also went on to have careers uh, in Italy and elsewhere. And I think that shows that with both of them and their amazing levels of success as managers and coaches and are both highly regarded, it shows that you don't necessarily have to have experience. I think what you do have to have then, if you don't have the experience, is the motivation to 
acquire knowledge and learn from other people's experience. You know, if I think about my own experience as a as, as a person trying to learn disciplines and somebody mm. comes up to me who, to be honest, I don't rate their CV and they come in and they act like they know everything, that's an immediate switch off to me. But if somebody yeah. comes in and says, hey, you know, I want to learn with you, you know, I realize that I need to learn and develop and I want to learn yeah. from you in and kind of have a, a bi-directional coaching relationship. I really respect that as well. Yeah. What, what do you think? Do you think you have to have that experience at the top level in order to coach at the top level? I think that, as, as we said earlier, a good coach will have to know the sport well. They have to be really passionate and committed to the sport. And obviously, often this comes from being an athlete or an ex-athlete, but I don't think it's completely necessary. A coach may have been involved in the sport in some other capacity and gain their knowledge that way, be it just from coaching for years and years and learning from other coaches, or be it in some other capacity of being involved within the sport. But as, as an athlete, you are, you are often exposed to, to lots of good coaching styles throughout your career as an athlete. So you, you will be able to pick up good and bad traits and know what makes a good coach probably better than someone who just comes in from outside of the sport. And I think it's also important to point out that, and maybe, and hopefully things are changing, but it's also how we see coaches at the moment is very much dependent on opportunity you know and the opportunities that people are given and maybe as time progresses representation in coaching and things will and management will get better but I think that's also uh, something to mention as well that often people who could be really good coaches aren't given the opportunity even if they are elite level because of other factors which should be changed. It's really important that non-elite athletes are not overlooked because there's a potential massive loss in coaching talent there yeah uh, that is just completely overlooked. And you're doing a coaching qualification at the moment, aren't you, Dan? So are you thinking you're a bit of elite talent that's being overlooked there? <laughs> well, I, I'm keen to stress that you don't have to be elite yourself, you know, because otherwise they're going to get no clientele because they're going to look at my my Palmares and, and be immediately disappointed and think, well, I'm not getting him as a coach. But, you know, I'm keen to stress that, you know, as a coach, you don't have to have won races. You can be a good coach without that. So, you know, it all plays into my hands, I think, this. Uh-huh. How are you finding the coaching <laughs> qualification so far? Yeah, good. Very, very interesting. And yeah, it's, it's very interesting because um, it's something I just developed a really keen interest in, sort of exercise physiology and that, that sort of stuff. And just keen to put my mind to work. Been really good. Right then, everybody, it's that point in the show that I know you've all been waiting for. It is the Running With It Hall of Fame. My addition is the legend that is Arsene Wenger, Arsenal manager from 1996 to 2018. And over the course of his 20-year history at the club, Arsene brought in amazing changes, not only to Arsenal, but also to the wider football community. Brought in a, a new idea of what professional football should be, and he brought in a real focus on nutrition. He brought in a real focus on player well-being, meditation, as I said, diet, also a rounded approach to sports, including data and analytics. Whilst winning many major titles with Arsenal, including, of course, the famous Invincible team, he was also, I think, a real legend as a manager, and his philosophy and legacy in football will continue to live on potentially forever. So, Arsene Wenger, a true hero of mine and a deserved person to be inducted into the Running With It Hall of Fame.
so far in this episode, Dan, we've talked about different attributes that coaches have that are important. And you said right at the beginning, you said about leading by example and about generating a mutual level of respect. And we also talked about having that passion and energy, but I think also a really important value and something that maybe lots of coaches find it difficult to get the right balance with is feedback. And I'm sure we've all been there either in a coaching capacity or as somebody who's trying to learn something where a coach maybe hasn't got the balance quite right between positive feedback and maybe negative feedback or criticism. So I think there's this mm. idea, generally speaking, as we touched upon in previous episodes, that having a a positive mindset and a mindset that looks to the future and is motivated and engaged with and is enjoying the sport is something that's good, right? And I think coaches who acknowledge that and try to work with that tend to do well. So, you know, coaches who encourage you to find what you enjoy about a particular discipline tend to do quite well. And those who engage you and motivate you through praise and reinforcement tend to do quite well. But then I do think there's also sometimes where tough love is necessary. You know, I've I've certainly yeah. ha- had it before. And what about in your own personal experience? How do you find receiving those different types of feedback? How do you respond to negative feedback, would you say? I'd say that, to be honest, at the time, I find it very uncomfortable. I find it quite awkward. However, it's, it's so, I, often it's, I look back on it and I think, well, that's the thing that really changed me and made me think, you know, maybe I'm not at the top of my game. Maybe I need to sort myself out. And okay, I'll give an I'll give an example here. So I turn up day one of the, literally day one of the Navy in uh, in Dartmouth, and perhaps saw myself as you know, you know, I've been to university, got a good degree. I was going to be a, a pilot in the Navy. It was, it was all looking quite good for me, and I was kind of happy where I was. And then I go into my so we have to do a sort of one minute introductory talks to the whole division and to a few commanding officers in there. And I go up, do my one minute talk and completely flunk it. And the, <laughs> just because I was completely complacent going into it, didn't even give it much thought. I thought, yeah, I'll wing it in <laughs> one minute and talk about myself for one minute. Easy. No problem. Do it all the time. So because of my complete lack of preparation, I flunked it. And then I just get a complete dressing down in front of everyone. Pretty high up guy, you know, sort of 50, 60 years old. And he's like, how do you, and I was, I was the first person in the division to go up as well. So first person in the whole, whole room to go up and talk. And he, he said something like, how do you feel about how your lack of preparation as, um, reflects on yourself on, on, on day one here? The room, ah. you could have dropped the, dropped the pin. Ah. God, the room is silent. And yeah, so however, at the time, clearly very awkward, very um, uh, sort of difficult to deal with for me. You know, I'm, I'm just getting complete dressing down, making a complete tit of myself in front of all these new people and my new friends. However, looking back on it, it's the one thing that uh, that really changed me because I was never going to go into a, a presentation or a, a talk ever again without being completely wholeheartedly prepared for it. And that should have been the way it was from day one, but it wasn't. And it required that bit of negative feedback for me to change. Look, if, if it had all been rosy yeah. and positive and he'd been like, oh, don't worry about it. We all make mistakes. You know, you don't want, yeah, yeah, you flunked it, but it's fine. Well, yeah. It might have been nice at the point, more comfortable, but it wouldn't have changed me. I'd have just done the same thing next time I had a one minute talk to do. 
I think, Dan, a nice compliment to what we've talked about in this episode would be a few recommendations or tips or strategies for people who are maybe a coach at the moment or are thinking about being a coach and kind of things that they can do to make sure that they capture some of the values that you highlighted earlier. The first thing that people can do when starting coaching, and and forgive me, as I said, these are just my own observations. I have limited experience of being a coach and certainly have never been a coach at the top level like some of the people we've talked about today so if you do have a different opinion on this please do get in touch with us either via the email or via Instagram but I think a first important step for any coach is to develop a a program and maybe Dan will agree with this but sit down with the person they're trying to coach right at the beginning and identify Mm. what in sports psychology is very broadly called the the five pillars where essentially you look at five key skills or five key attributes or five key domain so it might for example if we're talking about uh, athletics it could the first one could be kind of physical well-being and physical health which would have things related to it like diet uh, but also uh, rest and recovery those kind of things then of course it yeah. might be uh, kind of explosive training and power and then cardiovascular and, and and so on and also within the five pillars there also needs to be a well-being component how do you want the training to feel what do you want the training to look like sound like and then the final pillar which is arguably the most important pillar is the pillar of the coach trainee relationship and kind of outlining the key principles of what that relationship will look like and then within those pillars at the beginning you rate every pillar for where the person feels like they are now out of 10 and then the thing that you do next is identify how you can improve those incrementally so it kind of gives you a rule book or a standard that both the coach and the trainee have to abide by from day one okay everybody that was episode six where we talked about coaching thank you so much for listening we really appreciate your support and thank you for being part of the growth of the running with it podcast we really really value your feedback and your thoughts on what we can discuss in the podcast and particular topics or things that you might feel are important. You can contact us on Instagram, which is the Running With It Podcast, or you can email us via our Gmail, the Running With It Podcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much for tuning in. We really hope you've enjoyed this episode. We certainly enjoyed recording it. And see you next time.